All right, Adam, come on up. Let me pray for you. Um, Adam Granger is um, son, husband, father, um, has worked in ministry, um, preached for us before, and I'm excited to hear the word that God has given him for us today as well. Let me pray for you, brother. Father, thank you for uh, for Adam and for uh, the things that you have done in his life, for the talents you have blessed him with, for the good gifts that you give to us uh, in Adam, with Adam, with his friendship and his leadership and his being a vital part of this part of your body. pray that you will guide him this morning as he brings us the word, that you will give him the words to speak, and that uh, we will we will hear through him the message you have for us this morning. pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Are we good? Here we are. Well, if I ever win a major award and I'm tasked with someone to open for me, I'm getting robbed. <laughs> I did forget monkey. I first got to apologize. My youngest son gave me this mess. So you're going to hear some coughing or whatever. I apologize now. He... He loves to share that with me quite often, in fact. <clears throat> Very sharing. And uh, Kevin, that was awesome. I, I feel like anything I'm going to say is going to pale in comparison. So I pray that the Holy Spirit shows up, right? Um, but that was really good. Um, Billy and Joe were huge baseball fans. One day, Billy and Joe made a pact that if either one of them were going to die, the other one's going to come back as a ghost to tell them if they got baseball in heaven. Well, sure enough, Billy dies, eventually comes to Joe in the form of a ghost. Startled, Joe realizes it is the ghost of his friend and says, Billy, it's so good to see you. So tell me, is there baseball in heaven? Well, Billy says, I've got good news and i got bad news. He says, well, give me the good news. Good news is there is baseball in heaven. All right, well, deliver the bad news. Well, the bad news is you're starting pitching on Tuesday. <laughs> sure, he struggled after that one, right? A pastor known for his lengthy sermons noticed a man get up and leave during the middle of his message. The man returned just before the conclusion of the service. Afterwards, the pastor asked the man where he had gone. The man said, I went to get a haircut. And the pastor said, well, why didn't you take care of that before the service started? He said, I didn't need to then. <laughs> May us all pray that no one needs to leave for a haircut. I'll try to be quicker than that, right? <clears throat> well, it's... Excuse me. It's more so a blessing to be up here um, than normal. Because for the last two years, I couldn't. I, uh, and I'm not an emotional guy, which is funny. Um, October 2016, I hurt my back for the, <laughs> the last time. Now, I don't mean last, like I will never do it again, but the last time of many times I had hurt it. Um, I think it was my body finally telling me, you got to stop. Uh, I joke, I was lifting weights as a 28-year-old, but I was 38. And so it doesn't work quite right when you do that. Um, but I'm glad to say that I'm I'm not healed uh, wholly. I believe I will be. Um, but I'm healed enough that I can stand here long enough to speak. I've had to turn down uh, two or three times speaking because I, just, I can't stand up long enough to do it. I, I thought about being a hipster and maybe getting a stool and sitting down, but... Not gonna try to pull that off. So um, I've got to say that I, I'm, I'm grateful. I uh, 
it's not been a fun walk, and that's kind of what I want to talk about today is the, the struggle. It is. Um, if you're struggling, you're in good company. <laughs> um, for those who don't know, I, I severely injured my back, like I said, in October 2016. Um, I've had three surgeries since then. I'm moving. My nerves are still kind of shot. Um, but if there's one thing I've learned is that anything we go through, the Lord can teach us. Anything we go through, anything we uh, walk through, the Lord's got a lesson. It's whether we hear the lesson, right? Um, one of the things I, I can look back and recognize is uh, during that time, I travel a lot for work. Uh, I'm gone at least, right now especially, I'm gone at least once a month. This month I've traveled twice. I went out to L.A. I tried to get a hold of Jim. Jim worked so hard. He didn't get done until 10, 11 at night. Every night. So, yeah, pray for him for his endurance. Um, but I tried. We, we just couldn't make it work. But uh, I, I traveled. But during this time, it was amazing looking back, I didn't travel. I, I joked I lost all my status in, you know, the Southwest and Hilton and all this. Uh, but it was, a, it was a nice loss, really, um, because I was able to be home. He allowed me to go through time of uh, dealing with it. And I was busy. It wasn't like I was at home and had nothing to do and, you know, I was busy. My job was still going well. Everything's going well there. Um, but it gave me a chance to rest, to do what I needed, to go to the therapy, to you know, do all the things I needed to do uh, in between all the prayer that I was receiving directly and indirectly from a lot of y'all. And I, I, I thank you for that. Um, as I talk, you'll recognize you can't get through this without prayer, right? Uh, I want to talk. I want to sh- share a little bit about everything, right, as we're talking uh, but we start with looking at people who have dealt with discouragement in the Bible. If you think they aren't there, you haven't gotten very far. <laughs> you can find it all over. Uh, Moses, Numbers 11, 10 through 15, says, Then Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, everyone at the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. Moses also was displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you afflicted your servant? Why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid the burden of all these people on me, that I conceive all these people, that I beget them, that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give to all these people? For they weep all over me, saying, give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now. If I have found favor in your sight... And do not let me see my wretchedness. I'd say he wasn't doing too well. <laughs> he was struggling a little bit. Of course, anybody that's had kids will sit there and go, how am I going to feed these kids? Especially if they got four boys. I, I, at some point, I'll say, God, how am I going to feed these? Um, Job, we can't talk about discouragement in the Bible without talking about Job, right? Um, Job 3, 1 through 12. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. Now, that's how you start a chapter in the Bible. And Job spoke and said, May the day perish on which I was born, and the night in which it was said, A male child is conceived. May that day be darkness. May God above not seek it, nor the light shine upon it. May darkness and the shadow of death claim it. May a cloud settle on it. May the blackness of the day terrify it. As for that night, may darkness seize it. May it not rejoice among the days of the year. May it not come into the number of the months. Oh, may that night be barren. May no joyful shout come into it. May those curse, curse it who curse the day, those who are ready to arouse Leviathan. May the stars of this morning be dark. May it look for light. 
but have none, and not see the dawning of the day. And he goes on and on. I mean, he, he was obviously not happy. Um, Jeremiah brings the prophecy of the broken flask, which basically says the city's going to be overrun. Get ready. You guys are all going to get wiped out almost. And then he comes and, and obviously he's struggling with that, right? I mean, you have to give that. And then the turnaround and he talks to the Lord and then Jeremiah 20. He starts with, oh, Lord, you induced me and I was persuaded. You were stronger than I and I have prevailed. And then just a few verses later, he's going from I prevail. You have strengthened me to cursed be the day in which I was born. Let the day not be blessed in which my mother bore me. And it sounds a lot like Job, doesn't he? Let the man be cursed who brought news to my father saying a male child has been born to you. And he goes on and on about how awful it is the day he was born. Jonah. Four three says, therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. I share this not to depress this, but I share this to say that these are some of the greatest characters in the Bible, and yet they're all like, I'm done. Just take me. I, I can't do it. I'm, I'm, you know, these are people who had a direct connection with God that some of us may not ever know, and yet they're still at a place where they're like, I can't. I can't anymore. And then there's Elijah, and this is one of my favorite stories. So in 1 Kings 18, just to sum up the story quickly, not that I do anything quickly. Elijah goes out and challenges the prophets of Baal and says, tell you what, let's have a contest, right? We're going to cut up some uh, animals. We're going to sacrifice them. But here's what we're going to do. You put yours on the altar. I'm going to put mine on the altar. But we're not going to light it on fire. Let's see who does. You ask Baal, then I'll have a turn. So they begin their process. They do their thing. And he is so confident, he starts making fun of them. He's heckling them. You know, heckling didn't begin in the NBA. It started back in this day, right? So he's giving it to them. He's telling them, hey, he's probably asleep. Wake him up. Get louder. Try it louder. You know, get, be a little crazier. Make sure he knows he's, you know, he, he's probably just not really paying. I mean, he is giving it to them, right? And they're just doing everything under their, that they know of to make this thing catch on fire. And nothing happens. So then... His confidence knows no bounds. He says, all right, now pour water on mine. Douse it. And they did it. Do it again. Do it again. I mean, he just drenches this thing. And one thing I really like is they're going crazy when they're doing it. They're jumping and screaming and cutting themselves, all kind of craziness. And from way, the way I read it, for him, it's just a simple prayer. Lord God, I'm your servant. I've done what you told me to do. Now do your part. It wasn't that simple, but it was basically, the, as my dad likes to say, the Granger prayer phrase. And it lights on fire. This drenched Water-soaked altar catches on fire. All right? So Elijah just shows off the power of the Lord. He just shows how awesome God is. All right? I mean, he's seen it firsthand. He was a part of it. Could God have done it without Elijah? Absolutely. But God loved to use Elijah. And uh, Elijah had that moment. And then, that's 1 Kings 18, in a nutshell. Then we got 19. And 19 starts, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Which, I can't help but see Ahab, a little ninny running over. Guess what he did? Guess what he did? Some people, no, anyways. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow. 
at this time. Elijah just saw the power of the Lord. So Elijah stands up there and says, there's no way that my God will allow this to happen. No. And when he saw that, he rose and ran for his life. He's gone. He takes off. I'm sure he was running fast than he's ever ran before. It says he went to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servants there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is up. Now he's running from being killed and then decides, you know what? At least I have the mercy of the Lord take me. I'm not going to let her have the satisfaction, but God just take me because they're after me. So he ate and drank, or I'm sorry. Then he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him. And said, arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he rose and he ate and drank. And he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. He's going deeper and deeper. He's getting farther, far away because the fear, the anguish, the, the he, he's scared. He's, he's went and I... I I understand it. Like, we want to laugh at Elijah and like, did you not just see what happened a minute ago? Um, but I understand. I'm, you know, we, as the dad likes to say, we leak. You know, he forget in the moment, right? Um, so, I love this. He, he went in the cave, spent the night, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And God basically says, what are you doing here? Well, I just said, I've been very zealous for the Lord of God of hosts, for the children of Israel has forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. I'm alone, and I'm left, and they seek to take my life. I always enjoy, the Bible's opened up to me as a father. As a dad, I understand a lot more of where God's at. So God said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. But he goes out there and Behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore into the mountains, broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. So it was, when Elijah heard it, then he wrapped his face in the mantle, went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came, came and said, what are you doing here? Why again are you, why again are you running? Elijah, missing everything, says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. I am alone left, and they seek to take my life. Now, I wonder if God thought, did, did you think I didn't hear you the first time? And I think at that point, I really see God going, okay, forget all that. Anyways, do it, and gave him commands. Here's what you're going to do. Do this, this, and this, and just kind of, we're, we're moving on. But one of the commands that I think sticks out is that he says, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, I should have practiced this before I came, right? You shall anoint as your prophet in, in your place. Elijah sees the power of the Lord, and yet it still isn't enough for him to have the consistent walk that God wants us to have. And so God recognizes in that moment, all right, all right, I get it. All right. I'm going to send somebody to walk with you. Um, Different message I've done before, but I truly believe we're not called to do this alone. Um, God is everything. I, 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 you know, I kind of halfway joke, God's not enough. God is everything. He is. But God has chosen for us to rely on each other. 
our brothers and sisters. It's the way he's ordained it. It's the way he's designed it. And he recognizes in that moment, you know, Elijah says twice, I'm alone. You know, you've left me. I'm, I'm, I got nothing. And so God recognizes. So even when I feel like God's still kind of like, are you not getting it? God also has the mercy and understanding that, all right, you still need it. I recognize you need it. Here's what I'm going to provide for you. And so even through that, God recognizes Elijah needs a helper. Um, we're seeing depression tending upwards. We're seeing numbers. You, I joke, if you're really having a good day and things are going well and you want to end that, go to Twitter. Twitter will ruin your day. Um, which I think some of it is because it allows people to be who they really want to be with no repercussions. And that's a scary thought that that's how people want to be. Um, I think that's because the belief in the necessity of following God's word has declined. And when that declines, depression goes up. I, I, I you know, I'm a flawed man. I'm, if I'm not the first to, to be able to tell you, James will be the second. I, I'm a terrible human being. But I know without a shadow of a doubt, I'm a better person when I'm walking with the Lord. That, in fact, I told a guy that one time. He said, why are you even a Christian? I said, I've seen the guy without Jesus and I've seen the guy with Jesus. I'd rather be the guy with Jesus than the guy without him. And that is about the most simplest way I can put it. Um, and I feel like that's because when we get away from the word of the Lord, we start going into our own devices, our own mindset, our own thinking. And we get away from the way the Lord's trying to guide us. Um, and I feel like that's what's happening a lot in the world. People don't understand truth. I heard a lady say the other day, it was my truth. There's no my truth and your truth. There's truth. I don't mean to be mean. It's just the truth, right? There's no, because truth cannot be false for someone, but true for someone else. It's either true or it's not. Um, and I think we need to be able to be bold in love. And I can't emphasize that enough in love of speaking truth, speaking what's right, speaking the way things are supposed to be. Uh, I haven't gotten that fully you know, figured out yet because I've offended some people, not meaning to. And sometimes you will, right? Sometimes you speak truth. The, the truth can be offensive to the enemy, right? And he will fight you on that. Um, <laughs> I've got a line here. Stay away from Twitter. Um, but I, I, I truly believe that's what's happening is that we get away from God's word. We get away from God's people. When I was hurting the worst, I couldn't hardly walk. I didn't want to hang out with anybody. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Guys, we're the worst, right? We, we get down, we just sink in deeper and say, I'm out. Um, I think that's when the enemy does his most damage. Uh, I will not say that the enemy is the reason I hurt my back. I was. I was stupid. I will say the enemy saw it as an opportunity to seize the moment. Because he does come to kill, steal, and destroy. And if he sees an open, if we give him a crack... He's going to needle his way in there. And we have to be careful. How do we be careful? First off, we have to guard ourselves. First Peter 5, 6 through 9. This is the message, but I love this. It says, the devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Keep your guard up. You're not the only ones plunged in these hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on the faith. Uh, you think that apply today, and it does, which is amazing, but it applied then just as well. Keep your guard up. Be aware. Just notice. Just recognize what the enemy's wanting to do. See that there's an opening, a crack. Close it. Uh, there was a there was a moment before I could even stand that I recognized what the enemy was doing in my life to keep me. 
pulling me from my kids. And I'm not saying pulling me like making me, just putting stuff in my head and making me agree to nonsense that I, I just ain't got time. I can't do it. I'm, I can't get up, all this. And my, my, my family suffered. Uh, second, God brought Elisha. Ask God to bring your Elisha. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Uh, ask for your Elisha, or ask to be Elisha. Um, I was reminded this morning, actually, when I saw Pam up there playing. There was years and years ago. Old friend of mine, I've known him since we were 10, was getting married. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, he was getting married, and he wanted me to perform the wedding. And so we went to, I think it was Lowe's Vanderbilt. She was playing. Just happened to see her. I was like, oh, there's Pam playing. We just went to this little lounge just to discuss the formalities of the service, how we're going to do things and what they wanted. And, and uh, like I said, I've known him forever. I didn't know her. And one of the first things she said was, okay, I, I'm good with you doing the service. I'm, I'm fine with it. I just don't want anything mentioned about Jesus. So I, I, I let that sink in for a moment and they were talking and finally I kind of, I, again, it's one of those, I wanted to find a way to explain that that ain't happening in a nice and loving way. So I just said, you know, I can't do that. I said, I, Jesus, the whole marriage covenant is based on Jesus to me. You know, covenant is the most important thing that I think God has given us to each other. The covenant between me and my wife is, is, Big, and the only reason to me I can hold on to that sometimes is the fact that I recognize Jesus put us together, and better not be me to mess that up. And so I'm explaining this to her, and I just said, you know, I think Jesus has to be the foundation of your marriage and everything that you do. And if He's not, you know, then I, I let me help you get there. But I can't do that. You've got the wrong guy. I said I'll be I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll, I'll root you on. But I'm not the guy. If you want, if you want no Jesus, I'm the wrong guy. Um, she didn't like that answer. I didn't. I know this now. She was a hardcore atheist and hated all things Christian. And she let me know in that moment and started yelling and hollering at me. And I, in the middle of this lounge, right, and I look over at Pam. Pam's playing like she's doesn't. And so I'm like, she's like, what is going on? And my good friend, the, the time, like I said, I knew him since we were about ten. It's now threatening me. We've never had a spat in our lives. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, what is going on? And this is the twilight zone. Things finally settled. It really changed in a good way by the end of that conversation. I was very surprised, but I know now why, and I found out later. The whole time Pam recognized what's going on, she's over there praying. She's playing. Now, to her credit... She's professional because I never knew anything, right? She never missed a beat. She's playing. She sounds great. Not knowing later until I went and talked to her after they left. She's like, I saw something was going on. I was just praying for you. you know? <laughs> In that moment, she was my Elisha. In that moment, God, I truly believe, ordained her and I to be in the same place there so that she can pray over me in the moment that I was being attacked. And that even, and I, I didn't really know that she was paying attention, but just kind of looking at her and knowing someone was there on my side. Someone had my back, even if, like I said, I didn't even really know if she did or not. But I knew, okay, if somebody's in here, I gotta, you know, I gotta unload and figure out what has happened, kind of debrief and decompress. Um, but God had her there in that moment. I, it wasn't coincidence, it wasn't accident, it wasn't lucky. Uh, it was ordained. 
I truly believe that. And then uh, this week when I was preparing this, you know, you always prepare something and you're like, okay, I think this is what you want, God. And then he smacks you in the head and goes, oh, yeah, it is. Uh, A good friend of mine really going through some difficult times. I've been praying for him. And then I just happened to run into him. Happenstance. How about that? We got to talking. I got to praying with him. And then I found out uh, later his wife was going to text me and be like, hey, he really needs prayer. And she felt like the Lord told her not to. And she wondered, that's really weird. And then she found out because the Lord had ordained us to be there. Uh, in that moment, I was his Elisha. I found out later. He he walked away feeling much better about the situation. Again, the situation, or I should say the situation didn't change. The situation won't always change. It doesn't say, though I walked around the valley of the shadow of death, or though I walked partially through and then got out of the valley of the shadow of death. But it's, I walked through it. Um, so it doesn't mean that your situation changed. I still, my back isn't perfect, but one day I realized God had told me, good or bad, are you going to serve me? You know, whether it gets better or not, whether anything changes, are you going to serve me? And, uh, when God asks you that question, you realize he's asking because there may be a chance I won't, right? (laughs) I've got to figure this out. Uh, another thing we need to do, we need to allow ourselves to be transparent, it's it's through our struggles is where God will shine through the most. That's where people will see the glory of God more than anywhere else. I completely agree with Rob. The best form of evangelism is bring the children into this world. But the second best is allow people to see you, you go through your trials. To see you walk through them, but to see you walk through them with your head up, with your eyes forward, and with the joy of the Lord. We have to find joy through our trials James 1.12 said, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. 1 Peter 4.12-19 It says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none as, none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. 19 says, therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. And my favorite is Romans 5, 3 through 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, we're not saying be crazy, look for troubles and trials. They will find you. You don't have to go look for them, right? But consider it especially joy when you're suffering for the Lord. I I know that sounds weird, but it's understanding. And like, you know, like Romans says, hey, suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character. Character produces hope. A few quotes. Joy, and I this attributed to so many people, I just don't give anyone credit. Joy is not the absence of suffering. It is the presence of God. 
It is not a change in your circumstance. It's not a change in the moment. It's not a change even in the outcome. It's the presence of the Lord walking you through the trial. Happiness is an emotion. Joy is a state of being. Joy doesn't mean you're smiling because everything's hunky-dory. Joy means I recognize God's going to walk me through this. God's going to see me through this. And if he doesn't, then I'll go up with him and get my crown and enjoy my time. Uh, Joy is recognizing the Lord's going to do it. The Lord is doing it and the Lord will do it. And resting in that. Not fretting, not worrying, not struggling. Um, but recognizing and understanding God's got this. The world and the enemy is after our joy. When we lose our joy, we lose our strength, not only to live, but to also affect the kingdom of God. I was completely ineffective. I'll just say it. Talk about being transparent. I'll be transparent. I was useless. Um, and I recognize that after the Lord smacked me around a few hundred times. <laughs> um, but when we lose our joy, we start. And here's why. When we're full of joy. Right? We're, that means we're walking with the Lord. We're recognizing the Lord is taking care of it. And when we lose that and we become useless, it's because we've stopped looking up and started looking in the mirror. We started focusing on me. I started focusing on what's going on with me. Every morning I got up, oh, I, me, me, me. And that's, that's a good way to lose your joy is to start focusing on your own self, right? I'm reminded of a, a young lady who used to live with us long time ago back in Georgia. And she, I told her one time, and she was just all complaining about what she's not getting and what God's not doing. And I said, I'll tell you what, here's what we're going to do. And this is the Holy Spirit thing, because I, I wasn't this smart. Still ain't this smart. I said, for the next three weeks, four weeks, I can't remember how long, but it was, it was long enough. I said, I want you to not fo- pray for yourself once. Not once. I said, my job is to pray for you. So I'm going to pray for you like you would for yourself. For the next three weeks, you pray for anything else, everything. I don't care. Pray for the dog outside. Doesn't matter. But you're not to pray for yourself. I'll pray for you. I'll pray that God will get you where you need to be. But you're going to pray for everything else during your times. And she's like, okay. It wasn't long, but it was long enough. About three weeks, we got to talking. I said, so how's your prayer life been? She goes, it's amazing. She says, I started realizing what's going on in this world. I started realizing where God was doing things and where God was needed. I started realizing who needed prayer. It gave her a next perspective of looking out. And she said, and you know what? All these issues I've had, they've kind of gone away because I recognize I've really got it good. I'm really in a good shape. And these people aren't. There's others out there that aren't. And, and then she was praying with people and talking with people. We're talking a three-week change just by just stop praying for yourself. Now, I'm not saying don't pray for yourself, obviously, but... Sometimes, maybe so. Sometimes you say, you know what, today I'm going to give me someone to pray for, Lord. Who do you want me to pray for? Be someone's Elisha, right? Give me an opportunity. Bring someone in my path. And you'll be amazed when, when you start taking your eyes off of yourself, what God will do with you. He, he loves that. Biblical joy consists of the deep and abiding confidence that all is well regardless of circumstance and difficulty. It is something very different from worldly happiness. It is always related to God and belongs only to those in Christ. It is the permanent possession of every believer, not a whimsical delight that comes and goes as chance offers this opportunity. And that's John MacArthur. And I think that sums it up well. Biblical joy is way deeper than just, I feel pretty good. Today's a good day. Because that's what, every day I wake up, my wife would call me or talk to me and say, how do you feel? Today's a good day. Or today's not such a good day. Um, 
joy is, yeah, I'm hurting today, but God's going to see me through. God's got this. And uh, we're going to make it. That's joy. I've read this before. I'm going to read it again because it's so encouraging. And I just want us to remember, if nothing else, and I... You back up a step. I want to say this, and this is my own. This is a, I don't have many pet peeves, but the one I do bother me. If someone's going through something and you're going through something that's way worse, please do a favor for me. Don't tell them that. <laughs> because if it's a big deal, it's a big deal. You know, if it's big to them, it's big to them. Don't lessen it or cheapen it in the moment other than to say, this is where I've been. I understand. Let me walk with you and pray with you. Um, that's just something that bugs me when somebody tries to lessen something in a walk. And, and sure enough, right? I mean, I've been there where I'm really struggling, and then I see somebody else, and they're in a way worse, and I realize, oh, man, I really got it good. Uh, but there's times where I've seen people, um, well, I'll tell them my kids. Yesterday, Aiden, or the other day, Aiden hurt Wyatt's foot. It wasn't a big deal. He did an accident. And White started crying, and Aiden turned around, got kind of annoyed, and said, well, I've been hurt worse. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I said, all you got to do is turn around and say, I'm sorry, because it was an accident. If I, you just said, turn around and say, hey, man, sorry. We're done. And now I have to have this long conversation. I have to wag my finger, and I have to, you know, all this. And uh, I just, that irritated me. Sorry. that That's just me. That's I stepped out of the Holy Spirit for a moment to share my own opinion. Let's get back in. Um, who is our God? He is the first and last, the beginning and the end. He's the keeper of creation and the creator of all. He's the architect of the universe and the manager of all times. He always was, always is, and always will be. Unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, never undone. He was bruised. And brought healing. He was pierced and eased pain. He was persecuted and brought freedom. He was dead and brought life. He is risen and brings power. He reigns and brings peace. The world can't understand him. The armies can't defeat him. The schools can't explain him. And the leaders can't ignore him. Herod couldn't kill him. The Pharisees couldn't confuse him. And the people couldn't hold him. Nero couldn't crush him. Hitler couldn't silence him. The New Age can't replace him. And Oprah can't explain him away. He is light, love, longevity, and Lord. He is goodness, kindness, gentleness, and God. He is holy, righteous, mighty, powerful, and pure. His ways are right. His word is eternal. His will is unchanging. His mind is on you and me. He's my redeemer. He's my, he's my savior. He's my guide. He is my peace. He is my joy. He is my comfort. He is my Lord. And he rules my life. I serve him because his bond is love. His burden is light. And his goal for you and I is abundant life. I follow him because he is the wisdom of the wise, the power of the powerful, the ancient of days, the ruler of rulers, the leader of leaders, the overseer of the overcomers and the sovereign Lord of all that was and is and is to come. Now, if that seems impressive, realize this. His goal is a relationship with us. He will never leave me. 
Never forsake me, never mislead me, never forget me, never overlook me. And not yet once as he canceled me in his appointment book. When I fall, he lifts me up. When I fail, he forgives. When I'm weak, he is strong. When I'm lost, he is the way. When I'm afraid, he is my courage. When I stumble, he steadies me. When I'm hurt, he heals me. When I'm broken, he mends me. When I'm blind, he leads me. When I'm hungry, he feeds me. When I face trials, he is with me. When I face persecution, he shields me. When I face problems, he comforts me. When I face loss, he provides for me. When I face death, he carries me home. He is everything for everybody, everywhere, every time, and every way. He's God. He is faithful. I am his. He is mine. My father in heaven can whip the father of this world. So if you're wondering why I feel so secure, understand this. He said it. That settles it. God is in control. I am on his side. And that means all is well with my soul. Every day is a blessing for God is. I love the Lord and thank him for all that he does in my life. He is my source of existence and my savior. He keeps me functioning each and every day. Without him, I am nothing. But with him, I can do all things. That's the Lord God that we serve. I pray today that we either find our Elisha or we become Elisha, whichever place that God has called us to be. I pray that we recognize when we can be that for someone and recognize when we need to reach out to find that someone. And I just pray that today we're encouraged to know that if you're struggling, hey, man, that's okay. There's lots of people who have struggled. But know that the joy of the Lord comes in the morning through his presence, through his peace, and with his people. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for that. We thank you that you're there for us at all times. You're our everything. We thank you that uh, you've never canceled us, canceled on us. You've never left us. You never walked away from us. You've always provided when we've needed. And uh, I thank you that you've allowed us to be a part of that, to allow us to be a part of walking with each other and recognizing our place in your kingdom and how we can do our part to extend that kingdom. I just pray right now for those who are walking through a tough time that you will bring their life to them, that you will guide them and show them that you are there, that you've not walked away, but you're with them to guide them, to protect them. I pray for those who are not in that place that they can look for their opportunity to become Elisha, that they can be the one that's needed in the moment, that they can provide, even if it's for a moment or if it's for a lifetime, whichever may be. Allow each and every one of us to have that opportunity to be there for someone when you know that they need it. I pray that you just continue to guide us, to direct us. And I just pray for your joy. For that understanding in our lives and that peace that you're in control, you're guiding, you're doing it. And however it may end up, it's because it's the way you've designed it. I thank you. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for what you're going to do. And I just thank you for who you are. We praise you. We lift you up. And I pray that as we go forward today, that we can recognize your goodness, how awesome you are, and that it's so great that we have to tell somebody. Give us that passion. Give us that excitement, Lord. We thank you. We praise you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Again, like I said, it's exciting to be up here and be able to stand for a whole 30 minutes or however it was. But 
You guys have a good day. I pray that you go out encouraged. We'll see you next week.